Listen, uh, thank you for joining the Pinche Participation Podcast, our special episode on IG Live. This is Amanda Miguel. And I'm Nick Ochoa. We are two Latinx millennials sharing our fresh, relevant perspective on civics and political participation in the U.S. today. You know what? This week is a wild, different episode, Nick, and we're super excited that you're joining us on IG Live. We really wanted to open this discussion because, my goodness, is it a nail biter, um, and it is very anxiety inducing. So we thought and knew and planned for this week's episode to be different. So there's a lot moving right now. We need for us to just kind of pause, kind of check in with one another, break it down together, and then clarify what on earth are we reading in the news. So we're gonna be covering three major questions. Okay, so one, we're gonna be discussing the summary of the results from election night. We're going to be discussing what does that mean for the current state of events? And then what's next? What is it that we need in order to feel in control, uh, to feel proud of what work has been done? Um, And just checking in with one another just to see how we're going to pull through these next few days and maybe weeks. So um, excited to have you all join us. Yeah, thanks for joining. And as Amanda said, we decided to do this live uh, podcast episode. We usually record our episodes ahead of time before we publish them on Thursdays. And we realized it's not really practical to do that uh, on election week when so many things are changing. If you can imagine if we have filmed our episode on Sunday before election, there was no way we would have known Tuesday would have turned out the way it was or that here we are Wednesday, things are changing and So, and we also thought this is a great way to engage with our followers, with our supporters, with you all to see us live. Send us your questions on Instagram. I've got my um, Instagram live right here. So as things come in, I can see it. Um, Thank you, Jackie, Jackie, for saying yes, pink hair. This is um, Halloween just happened and I have been wanting to dress as Megan Rapinoe for like two years. So I dyed my hair pink, which is crazy, but... um, no, it's not crazy. It's <laughs> awesome. Mega Rapino is the bomb.com. <laughs> Let's just say that. It, it's real and it's growing out. My roots day two. Like my Azteca roots are like, <laughs> you can't be this light. <laughs> we anyway. need to be black. <laughs> um, yeah, so we also figured we've been recording our episodes and we want to change it up a bit, make it a little more interactive and engaging with you all who have been so great in supporting us and asking us questions and boosting us and giving us feedback about what we could do better or what we want to know. So thanks for joining. Um, what's up, Lydia? Lydia yeah. is a friend from El Paso. Awesome. Yeah, I want to see where everyone is uh, joining in from. So why don't you all on our, I think I see 10 folks logged in. Thank you again for joining our IG Live. This is the first time we're running through this. But if you could just say hi and then share where you are listening from. Are y'all from what state? Because this can also be helpful as we have this discussion of oh, what's going on across the United States. <laughs> yeah. Um. So El Paso, I see Colorado. Um, see. I don't recognize everybody's names, but yeah. the ones I do recognize, that's that's where they're from. I see, is that Chicago too? Might be, yeah, for sure. Yeah. West Los Angeles, hey. Ooh, nice. San Antonio. 
Shy town, hey. San Antonio. <laughs> shy, shy. <laughs> Oxnard, California, Denver, but bringing my New York energy. All right. Cool, cool. Is that what BDE stands for? Well, we're PG 13, so we're not. Oh. <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> it's big, big energy. New York, oh, big energy. Oh, I just, just clicked. <laughs> All right. My cousin in El Paso. Thanks, Stephen. Highland Park, LA. Hey. Sweet. Hey, and Gen Z for justice. Thanks for joining. We're, though we're millennials and we're geared towards millennials, we are very interested in engaging with Gen Zers and anyone who's interested in Gen Z, the young, people younger than, our, than us, yeah. about what's interesting to you and all this. So thanks for listening, Gen Z. Our primitos, appreciate you. My gosh, do we appreciate you in this election. <laughs> we Seriously. are excited for this. We are excited. Well, thank you all for saying what's up. <laughs> Big Democratic Energy. I love it, Lindsay. <laughs> That's what BDE stands for. Yeah. 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 Um, all right. So what is making this episode different, Nick? You know, we have this, you know, set up. We're hoping uh, folks really tune into uh, this dialogue and continue to talk with us. Yeah, big democracy energy. I'm, I'm feeling it. Um, and for folks that are listening to our podcast after when we post this, we're getting a lot of comments on our Instagram, IG Live. And so that's what we're referencing. And we will, maybe I can start pulling some of those comments and I'll put it in our YouTube um, after this. Yeah, that'd be great. So if you, um, once we publish this, we're recording this episode. Once yeah. we publish it, if you're listening to this on Spotify or watching the YouTube, this episode was filmed Wednesday, the day after mm -hmm. uh, the election in 2020. So yeah. if you're listening to this in the future, which is kind of crazy to talk to our future listeners, um, <laughs> things have turned out different. You already know the answers that we don't know at the moment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, well, um, let's get into the summary of election night results. Yeah. How did things shake out? Were things different than what we anticipated? What's the state of things? What's this look like? Yeah. For, I mean, for right now, folks, the day after election, the voting just stopped yesterday. People legitimately just stopped physically going in to vote. So if you were to think this logistically, there are, people are the ones that are running these um, ballots through machines to get counted. There's various systems across each individual state. You know, Nick and I have kind of gone into um, the rights of each state to conduct their own elections. It's in our constitution. And this, the beginning of the tallying, tallying is, there's a lot. So what you're seeing on TV now and what you even saw yesterday are what are known as informal results, okay? These are election results that are announced the night of and in the days immediately following election day. So 43, 43 states have called their elections unofficially. So this is based on the number of votes counted compared to the number of registered voters. And then how many votes still need to be counted. So they're using a few different points of data there. So one, how many they're in the process of counting. Two, historical registration numbers and trends. Uh, and this could be important to note because this year is like no other for various reasons. And then three is anticipating, okay, if we have these many registered voters and we kind of have this many in the bag already, you know, this is kind of on average if they did come out to vote, that they actually drop off their ballot. They're using those numbers to kind of make those unofficial calls, I guess you would call them. Yeah. Um, what would be official yeah. then? Yeah, so... The process, the official, like totally finalized, like set in stone is the when the electors 
um, the Electoral College, as we've talked about before, you've heard in the news, the people who the state, the voters in the state have chosen to give their votes. Those are the electors, right? And there's mm-hmm. X amount per state. California's got 55, I believe, and like Wyoming has three. Those three people in Wyoming will go and cast their ballots for the candidate that the majority of Wyoming voters chose. That And that happens in all the states. And it like it's finalized in December. But by the time those electors go and cast their votes, the rest of us have already we've we've the secretaries of state have already announced hey this is the total you know x amount went for fulano mm-hmm. y amount went for fulana um <laughs> and we already know that ahead of time so it's like basically official leading up to december mm-hmm. and then as amanda mentioned because this is so different this year mm-hmm. um it will take states longer to count their ballots due to coronavirus pandemic concerns people uh, states sent out ballots, people, more people than usual requested mail ballots or absentee ballots. And so the mm-hmm. states have just been like, some states have been hanging on to them, didn't start counting until yesterday. And then some states have been like, as the vote comes in, they count it or, or whatever. So in normal elections, it's much easier. It's like a quicker turnaround to count the votes. You know, like you get your early voting people who go to the polls mm-hmm. and the machines or the paper ballots, like those are much easier to count because they're all collected at once. And then again, in previous mm-hmm. times on election day, polls close and then they count them right away. But this time, fewer people cast their votes in person than I think probably ever. I don't know if that's the like the right answer, but I think mm-hmm. more people did it by mail. So yeah. it's like just naturally think about counting things that have come in and that are waiting in a warehouse somewhere like that's going to take some time. Right. Um, so states right now are still counting their ballots. We talked about, Amanda mentioned earlier, 43 states have called their elections, mm-hmm. but they're still counting their ballots. Um, mm-hmm. Pennsylvania started counting mail-in ballots yesterday. You can imagine there are millions of votes, voters mm-hmm. who cast their ballots in Pennsylvania. So it's going to take some time to get through all those ballots. Yeah, and I know we have uh, folks like Policy Bay, one of our uh, friends on Instagram, just sharing what it's looking like, you know, with their votes and the it's like millions of votes right so so unofficial results we are hearing unofficial tallies right with states you know calling their elections uh for specific candidate based off of their electors and how those electors got uh voted in by the general population right by your your actual vote so right now the current state of things or even like just a snapshot. Let's just double check because I have my PBS news hours pulled up. Uh, and that's, I've been using, you know, try to, you know, non-inflammatory, um, channels. <laughs> Someone that's yeah. PBS is solid. Uh, and yes. Okay. Just double checking that our numbers are right. Yeah, no, it's changing. It's changing it change. every 30 minutes or so. Like another state comes in and says, Hey, we got additional, like here's additional numbers that we've counted, you know, X amount more votes. Um, so it's changing and that's why we got to do be responsible and right. share with you guys. Like here's the actual outlook. Cause if we gave you information that was like 30 minutes old, mm-hmm. that would not be accurate. Right. And I was like, I think now, you know what, we do have a small change, but so for right now, the current state of things, what has been called, at least according to PBS news hour, uh, for at least for the president, which I'm sure all of you are really interested in, uh, 264 electoral votes for Biden with 214 for the current president. And 
264 is awfully close to the 270 needed to win the Electoral College. This is the number we've kind of covered beforehand, explaining what is the uh, elector, Electoral College. And essentially, you know, if you were to bring it down, like the way the states are set up now and how we capture who we, who we vote into as president, it comes down to these electors, little, literal people, 217 literal votes and 200, I'm sorry, uh, 264 and 214. Yeah. So yeah, to win the presidency, a candidate has to win 270 electoral votes. Right now, Joe Biden is at two, what did you say? 243? We have two, uh, Biden, we have at 264. Oh, so he's, Biden is six votes away, which mm -hmm. means there are a couple states that have not called their races. But if Biden were to win those states, which have more than six electoral votes, that would push him at the majority, over the majority of 270. And then he would be the projected winner. Um, and a good thing, a good um, fact that we should share with everybody is that this, our figures right now, which again, they're not totally finalized. We haven't finished mm -hmm. counting. This is the highest turnout since yeah. the year 1900. 120 years ago was the last time we had this many voters percentage wise show up. So this year we're currently like 66 eligible voters submitted a ballot. Mm -hmm. And in 2016, only 60%. So that's, a, that's a good number. And to see that, and it's only going to go up because, you know, there are some ballots that haven't been counted. So we don't know for certain how many, so that's for a podcast based on political participation. Yeah. That makes me happy. <laughs> Yeah, right? we're, we're People super up. excited. This, I mean, and, you know, just take a moment <laughs> that this is record breaking and we are living through a global pandemic. Like I, you, you brought up like 1900. I'm trying to think of the last, you know, global pandemic and thinking of people wearing their masks. Like we're just reliving history um, in a crazy, weird way. Um, but ever in history more than um we beat actually the record held uh to for um from obama with registers uh, registered voters coming out to vote uh, more than anyone joe biden has reached that threshold and surpassed it so that is something again to nick's point it is political participation and that's always a great thing <laughs> yeah we talk about the the people who show up get the get to make the decisions yeah right so if 50% of the people are voting, well, they get to have a say. But now with 67% of people, eligible voters casting their vote, like that's a better number because more people are having their voice heard. They're showing up and saying, we're not going to let anyone else make our decision for us. We're going to say what we think. So I yeah. celebrate that win. I think that's great. Yeah. And, and I mean, we can't even go without talking about all the efforts that kind of led to these numbers. This is... I mean, if you think about all the work that was done for the census this year, you think about all the work that is, you know, to get folks to get registered while doing it virtually, you know, all of the efforts that had to go in to go above and beyond creatively reaching out to personal networks. And then honestly, you know, there are key moments in every voter's life that they can probably point to that push them to do more than just vote or who, that push them to start voting initially. And um, this year could, is probably a big reason uh, for this motivation to want to participate. So we're really, I mean, it's, it's awful to be like, this is what it took, you know, it's, um, it's a tragedy. It's, it's working through the, all of those pieces. Um, but, you know, 
we I don't want to I want to be hokey, you know, and say like we're going to get through this together kind of language and stuff like that. But tomorrow will come, you know, tomorrow, the next day and the following day. And these those folks in your neighborhood will still be your neighbors like this will still be here. Um, and with that in mind, it's like, what are we going to do to work towards making this a more participatory um, environment and society? And how are we going to continue to work with one another? So let, uh, before I go into all that, let's go to what's next, okay? Um, today is just one day after the election results. Um, the three states started just started counting yesterday. So they literally, their state legislatures does not allow them to start counting ballots until election day. And those three states were Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin. What's really special about those three states for us now, Nick? So those three states um, are swing states. That's what's special. So to have the swing states, um, and the swing state is a type of state that doesn't consistently vote for the same party year to year. So like California consistently for the last, I don't know, 20, 30 years has voted for the Democratic candidate. That's not a swing state. Um, Alabama has consistently voted for the Republican candidate for the last X amount of years. That's not a swing state. But Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin, they flip-flop, you know, one cycle they go for this, the Democrat, the other cycle they go for the Republican and back and forth. So these are interesting to us because we can't consistently rely on them to go for the same party. So it's a toss up. And these happen to be states with good number of electoral votes. Pennsylvania has 20. Mm. So if we're talking about 270 electoral votes, 20, any one state having 20 votes, that's significant. That could sway it. Now, a state like Wyoming, which only has three votes, would be less significant in the math of getting to 270 votes. Mm -hmm. uh, Michigan, uh, Wisconsin also have, they don't have 20. They're not quite as large, but it's substantial enough that this could change an election for a candidate. And so what's next, Amanda? Yeah. Well, we wait, we wait for these states to count their ballots. They're literally counting millions of yeah. ballots. So, and some states have like automated processes where it's like mm. a Scantron from grade school or high school where you mm -hmm. put it in a machine and it just like bloop, 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 computer counts it. Mm -hmm. Other states have literally humans mm -hmm. opening a ballot and saying, all right, Amanda voted X, Amanda voted X. Maybe that's not how it goes, but <laughs> they're like literally opening the, the vote, the ballot and tabulating it. So that takes some time. As you imagine you counting like couple thousand votes that would take you a while if you were a, an election worker right yeah i've seen like so, memes of people like counting money <laughs> and like who they would trust uh, uh it's just the internet you know thank you because sometimes you just need a, a sigh of relief and laughter to of joy <laughs> to kind of get you through this waiting period but yeah nick this is it's going to take time and people really need to respect that because you know, how, why is a mail-in ballot anything less than someone going in person to vote? I think of the countless of countless examples in my personal life of folks having to rely on mail-in ballots. You know, my, um, my grandmother had knee surgery just recently, like last week. 
So we had her, we requested her mail-in ballot. She was finally was able to go with my father in the car to drop off her ballot. Um, you know, but she, you know, she could have been in the hospital. I have cousins that got COVID-19 and were literally quarantined for weeks to, and imagine having to do that while you were trying to exercise your right to vote. Um, what else? Folks, you know, again, older adults in my family, having that option to stay safe and not, uh, especially with that third wave of COVID uh, related, um, I'm sorry, COVID responses or incidents occurring just this past like two weeks. And it's, it's still, we're still in an awful pandemic. It's a, it doesn't care if you're young or old, or, you know, this has been a terrible, terrible pandemic for many, many people uh, for in our country and voting and these numbers and this engagement regardless still to me is, um, resiliency and uh, something that I'm excited to see about all these once these votes really start once we start getting closer to the final number which I don't think we're at tonight right so one thing you just reminded me as we get closer to the final number as I've watched results last night and throughout the day today you see a state um, saying like here's here's one candidate with 10 votes and the other candidate with eight votes, but that is with 80% of precincts reporting. Mm. Let's talk about what that means. Yeah. I mean, this means yeah. that eight, if, if they say 80% reporting, that means that 80% of the little small districts, uh, the precincts have counted the majority of their votes and are like, basically, Hey, we got a general idea. We know how this is shaping out. And then the other 20% either don't have, haven't finished counting, haven't reached like maximum or the majority of their votes counted. Um, and then as the, as time goes on, you know, a new county will report, hey, we got, got all our votes. So that'll change it from 80% to 84 or 90%, depending on the state. So by the time a state reaches like 95% reporting, mm -hmm. most of the time, you generally, like statistically, the way the math works, you probably have a good sense of how it's going to shape out. Mm -hmm. And, you know, maybe a county like a big populous county is hasn't finished counting its votes yet. You can guess based on historical trends. OK, that county last went last voted for the Democrat. They will likely go for the Democrat. We just mm -hmm. don't know by how much. So it's a lot. It's basically a numbers game. It's a math game uh, that we're waiting for the counties to call in. And mm -hmm. one of our um, listeners asked what does it mean when not a hundred percent of the state has reported, but they're still calling that state mm -hmm. for one of the candidates. Mm -hmm. And that's where we find ourselves now with a number of states. Mm -hmm. And like I said, based on historical data, you can say X amount of voters in the, in this city will vote for the Democrat or the Republican. You can like basically like extrapolate, and say, okay, this big city usually goes for Democrats by 90%. They will likely go for Democrat again by a similar amount. So you basically report it and say, this city's going to probably go by for the Democrat. Mm -hmm. And that's how it works on every city, every county and precinct level. Mm -hmm. And for, you know, as I'm looking at the um, questions and if folks have any questions right now, 
Like, what do you all need to help you digest this information? I think this is um, something that can be very confusing or it can be, um, oh, there's like a lot. Sorry, I'm like, <laughs> I guess I'm not refreshing on my phone <laughs> fast enough. But so give me one second. I didn't see all this stuff. But or Nick, did you capture something? Um, just the one I mentioned earlier. I, oh, I do okay. want to say as Amanda scrolls through, though, I appreciate all the love and hearts that y'all are oh, sending yeah. us on Instagram Live. There's this option to send hearts to the people watching um we got a viewer in nevada so nevada is one of those states that's not finalized yet and it could be i think it like was announced in the last 30 minutes that it's it might be going for joe biden yeah so i see um policy bay about uh, pennsylvania and trump trying to sue i can't even i'm trying to recall which two states he decided to sue and then there's a third state he's already asked for a recount um oh i haven't seen his news of his suing um mm-hmm. and thanks it, policy bay for telling us about pennsylvania yeah, it's That's great oh my gosh this is so funny sorry i'm reading these about this rona don't care about your political beliefs <laughs> sorry i'm just so it's true she don't um oh here we go yeah yeah we and i guess well, why don't we take this opportunity to talk about since we brought up lawsuits yeah what does that mean how do you sue for an election like you know, you sue when someone burns your house down or when you get in a car wreck or when someone steals your money or whatever, you press charges and you sue. But how do you sue for an election? That, that mm-hmm. just like that doesn't always make the most sense. Would it be like um, because, OK, so the elections are conducted by uh, the the who's it called once the buck gets you know sent to who it who falls under it's usually your secretary of state so your secretary of state um is responsible for conducting your elections uh they have and then they have a network with all the counties within the state uh to to the county registrar they have various names you know by state um but you know they are responsible so Early, earlier on, right, we knew we've been in a pandemic since March. Okay, y'all, we have anticipated record numbers of people voting by mail uh, because of because of all the reasons we've already mentioned. Right. And so so many states kind of worked around. Okay, how do we meet the demand? And that's where we earlier episodes regarding California sending out uh, ballots to all the registered voters. Um and different states following suit too. You know, we at the beginning before, you know, pandemic wise, we already had states that were strictly mail and ballot. So you had states that were kind of already using the system, were already accustomed to this process. So we're already well fit or well suited to be successful for the numbers this year. And then this because of this year in the pandemic, this is why so many states have now started to uh t- t- and I will say this cautiously. They have adjusted their rules of how they conduct elections in response to COVID-19. Right. And so then yes. that's where, and because states have under the constitution, the mm-hmm. right to determine how their elections are conducted, they can do that. So California, when the governor said, yo, we're sending everyone in California a ballot, yep. everyone registered, we're sending them a ballot. That's within California's right as mm-hmm. a state. Mm-hmm. And so Pennsylvania decides we're not going to count, start counting until election day. Again, that's within Pennsylvania's right as a state to figure out how it's going to operate elections. So when a state takes an action that one of the parties may not like, the parties have are doing it now, suing to say, 
Mm. You can't do that. That's not right. That's not within the constitution. That's, uh, that's not within your abilities. And so then that goes through the courts, um, mm-hmm. which is like a headache of crazy, complicated stuff. What are states allowed and what aren't they allowed? Um, is the state Supreme Court in charge in that mm-hmm. instance? Is the U.S. Supreme Court in mm-hmm. charge? And there's all kinds of competing legal reasons for it that I think are like, I don't know, really complex to get into. But I hope that answers the question about like, how are you suing for an election? How, that doesn't make sense. Yeah. <laughs> I, saw, um, I saw Patrick post, uh, he should be, uh, that uh, the president should be sued for his tweets. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just cracking up reading these comments. Yeah, it's so funny. <laughs> on, on a, seriously, on a day like like this week, the last three weeks, the internet has like saved my sanity yeah. with these memes, yo. Like some of the stuff I'm seeing, I'm just like cracking up. Like, yeah. what's that one? You about to lose your job. Oh my gosh, so good. Michigan. Oh, never mind. This is so good. Um, but uh, Lindsay did bring up uh, that he right now is suing Pennsylvania, Georgia, and Michigan. Uh, which I want to say is where he's having issues, right? Like he's trailing. Um, I think I saw that, you know, where places where he was calling for recounts is because he's losing in specific states. Um, yeah, so some, so, so some states like aren't done counting and the Trump campaign is suing to get them to stop because their legal reasoning is you got to stop counting on election day, which literally hasn't been... A thing because votes keep getting counted after election day. Yeah. So these are some of the reasons for people sue. Yeah. Gosh. And Jackie's like, I don't trust nobody. Yeah. It's it's tough. I think you know this process is could be very disheartening for a lot of folks. Um, you know, this electoral college piece. Like, we we have certain opinions, um, and those opinions we'll share later or whatever. But we're trying to give you what we what system we have in place now. Now, is that system something that has to stay forever? No, this is what it looks like to have people power, uh, to move your elected officials to abolish the Electoral College, especially since, you know, a lot of these very populous states like California, New York, uh, so many of our um, numbers are there. And it's like, how, how, how are we equal or how are we dependent on small, such smaller states uh, when most of the you know population lives here, so it's it's these are large conversations or discussions to be had how we how we decide our democracy is represented. Yeah, um, someone just asked someone in San Antonio just asked, has it ever been this close? Um, I don't have like the breakdown of the last number of cycles. I think the year two thousand Bush versus Gore was really really close. I think that was that's that election was decided mm-hmm. by like 500 something votes in Florida. 500 votes went yeah. for Bush and then they like stopped counting. And then it was like, all right, Bush wins Florida, which is a lot of electoral votes and that pushed him over. Um, I think Hillary Clinton's campaign in 2016 was I think closer than this election, but the difference is they didn't have to wait for all these mailed in ballots to be counted. Mm. So um, like, was it Trump won by less than like 1% in Michigan and Wisconsin? It was like 40,000 votes in Michigan or 20,000 votes in Wisconsin, something like that. That's a very small margin when you think about how many people there are in those states. So 
This time around, it's looking to be different. I expect it will not be that close. It's not going to be a, large, a small, tiny margin in those states, specifically because so many people voted and showed out, showed up and showed out. Yeah. Um, so I don't think in the end it will be as close as 2016. Mm-hmm. I think like the people were like, we're going to say some stuff. We're going to come out and vote. Um, but it's just, it feels like it's very close right now because we're yeah. waiting on these people to literally count yeah. ballots. And yeah, and um, that's where we're at. And I think that's going to quell some of the anxiety. I mean, last night I went to sleep kind of nervous, but I, w- I, slept, I slept well because I knew we had record number of voters. And it's like, that that is... It, that is an example of more sound democracy. You're getting a better sense of what more people feel uh, in this country. And, you know, thank you, Home Fry. I'll say Home Fry. I don't know if they want me saying their, <laughs> their names. But um, about 100 million mailed-in ballots. 100 million. That's, those were the numbers we were working with, like, in person and mail-in ballots in 2016, you know. And these yeah. were all via mail. Again, highlighting just that this election is like no other. And you know, a few days, a few weeks, we really should be thinking about, um, and counting. And if, if people want to do recounts, you know, you have space for that to account for that time as well. Like, sure. Recount it. Count every vote. That's important. That's important. That's unnecessary. That's the, 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 yeah. And I can give my uh, feelings about what our current democracy, democracy is like in statute and whatnot, but it's what we have, and it's the one thing that we can agree upon. And it's it's wild that to stop counting. I've never heard such a thing, and it's very upsetting to be very Yeah, honest. I think that's kind of wild. Hey, we live in a democracy, which yeah. means people get to vote and have a say. But, like, stop counting now. Yeah. We like the way it is now. Stop. That doesn't make any sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am not a judge or a legal scholar. Yeah. <laughs> so there you have it. Um, in case you didn't know, um, and- we'll see if those challenges hold up. And Policy Bay says El Voto Latino showed up. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Policy Bay, you're right. There's big numbers for Latino vote. And and Lindsay and Policy Bay both said, I believe in our youth. Those Gen Zers. Yeah. Like Gosh. Gen Zers, Black women. Yes showing up showing up and saving this country yes what um, what was it um i was thinking more of the latino vote because it is like this pan ethnic even you know even our stuff we put latinx and it's like a label just for people to kind of kind of get a general sense of you know what nick and i's background is about but it, there's so much more to it specifically if we're looking at states that are uh, leaning more democratic especially i'm thinking of like michigan um i'm actually from the midwest so i identify with all those latinos that moved to the midwest when the trains and railroads were really helpful for people to get there from mexico that's how my grandparents and my parents came and you know the um we also have fields we have cornfields in the midwest we have uh, agriculture there as well. Factory jobs were a huge thing. So, and and I bring up that specific experience because Latinos in the United States have immigrated or we've been here for generations. I think of my Texans and Californians, New yeah. Mexico, like um, yeah. just the, the generations of, of uh, I think it's called uh, Pueblo, the Pueblo um, community. Shoot, I'm gonna get in so much trouble for not having the name. Um, but- we, you know, we have just very different 
histories with the United States or when it became the United States, Latinos, this term, Hispanics, whatever you want to be using. But as it shows up in our results, our election results, it's it's varied. They are um, not just one monolithic, one party kind of voting type. That's not the case. And it's very, we always, and the news loves to highlight Cubans in Florida. But it's like, if you look at the sheer number of Cubans in Florida, compare that to the Arizona Latinos, Mexican-American youth that came out, uh, Michigan, how it's coming out in large numbers around Detroit. I was like, you're talking about, uh, I want to compare it with numbers. Like, let's start highlighting the various aspects of what Latinos look like in this country and where they're living. They're not just in Florida. They're not just in New York. And they're not just in California. That's um, right. And Chicanos in California don't vote the same way or don't have the same priorities as people with Mexican heritage in New Mexico or Arizona necessarily. I mean, I grew up in El Paso, Texas. Mm -hmm. I lived in the Southwest and then I moved to the Midwest. And when I met Amanda, I was like, there's Mexicans in Chicago. Like (laughs) what are are they doing there? Yeah, That was so funny. Like I grew up, I'm, I'm, my family is all Mexican. I grew up right on the other side in the U S from Mexico. So I knew like my family's here because Mexico, I could see it from my grandmother's house. Mm. Literally. Mm. It makes sense that like, you know, my Mexican family got here and was like, sweet, this is close to our homeland. Cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when I met other Mexican uh, Americans and other Mexicans in the Midwest, I was like, this is wild. <laughs> yeah. Why would you move to Chicago? It's cold. <laughs> but, you know, and that was my ignorance as an 18 year old, as a 17 year old being not yeah. knowing. But to Amanda's point, there are so many mm-hmm. experiences for Latinx folks in Wisconsin, in New York, yeah. uh, you know, in the Bronx, in Maine. There's like, Dominicans in yeah. Rhode Island. I never heard of that, but they're there. Colombians. I think Colombians are Colombians. Like a ton yeah. of them in Rhode Island. So this when you know, the national media likes to be like, you know, Latinos all vote for Democrat immigration. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. Not to everybody, not right? To everybody, you know, yeah. we value education and healthcare and foreign policy, whatever. Climate change. So we're not honey. a monolith. <laughs> Chicago has better tortillas. That's why we oh are there. Oh my gosh, so yes. Please let, okay, let's just quickly talk about tortillas everywhere else in the United States. I'm like, what? And no, like it's yellow corn tortillas. And my, my brand was El Milagro. Uh, growing up, we had all the little factories in, in Chicago and stuff, but there is nothing that compares to El Milagro tortillas still. And I've lived in a few places. I've lived in Indiana, Arizona, California. Um, okay, maybe those three states and then Chicago. But so, yeah. I appreciate all the Chicagoans speaking up on this piece. <laughs> I, I'm so amused by the tortillas and I'm not a tortilla eater. So for my folks in El Paso, I'm sorry. I can't like, you know, fight this one back about Chicago having the best tortillas. I guess <laughs> maybe El Paso might have better ones. I mean, we haven't talked about flour, so. But I don't know. Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, this gets to the point. If sorry, yeah. Latinos, Hispanics, Chucky, Chicanos, mm-hmm. well, weird. Chicanos, whatever word you identify with yeah. we are not the same right yeah. we don't all have the same policies or perspectives it's not like when you talk about american voters that oh means gosh. white voters yep. but then think about all the ways that gets divided men women college education yep. women with no college education suburban, suburban moms mm. single parents no college like the white vote gets all these descriptors of how yeah. they're going to vote, but yeah. then it's just Latino. They're all the yeah. same. They vote one way. Yep. So 
that's wild. I think it's misleading and it's misinf- it's misinformed, actually, I'll mm. say. Yeah, you're not tapping into understanding literally what our, what this community is looking like. And so, I mean, maybe let's bring it back. Let's bring it back to, you know, civic engagement, this podcast. I mean, we got 24 people listening in. Thank you so much. 25. Um, Props. Yeah, this is, we, so many folks reached out and wanted to have this conversation because they weren't necessarily seeing that amplified on uh, cable news or just traditional media. And for us, you know, <laughs> the way we hooked this up, y'all, okay, I've never played around with like all the different platforms I'm using to stream this right now, but we know it's a necessary kind of conversation and tool to have because this is where we're at. I think about um, family members of mine. They don't have Zoom. They're not participating in these like, you know, real pla- like um, intellectual platforms. I was like, they got Facebook, they got Instagram. Um right. And we don't, we're not on Facebook, y'all, because we're kind of concerned about privacy issues, even though Instagram is Facebook. <laughs> we'll get to that another point. But me and Nick are a little a little weird about it. But for you all and having this phone, having it in the palm of your hand or set up on an iPad, whatever, we're trying to get you this information to have this discussion with you all. So love getting all of the questions and you all asking, you know, oh, you know what? I think Lindsay brought up a really good piece of like the privilege and um, oppression being parts of the identity. And I think that plays out in these election numbers because we have not, we have not talked about the elephant in the room. And that is that the numbers that showed up still for the current president in this election. Do we want to talk about that, Nick? Yeah, so I think what we've seen so far, hey, Samantha, well, she just joined. What we've seen so far is that the incumbent president Trump has seen an increase in support from various demographics. There is an, there is an increase in the black vote for Donald Trump. There's an increase in the Latinx vote for Donald Trump. And there's an increase in the white vote for Donald Trump. So that speaks to what we're talking about is that not all Latinx people have the same priorities. Not all black people vote the same way. Not all white people vote the same way, Mm -hmm. which like is a no brainer. Right. But you don't hear that frequently. Right. Um, And so then that means we need to think about why is our communities showing up in the way they are or Mm -hmm. why aren't they? And that's conversations we should have. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh my God. Hang on. There's a someone just said, we have children who care about what's going on. My nephew is 13 and he's giving US election updates. Oh my gosh, that's so precious. Who is this kid? Cuz that's <laughs> that's how I was. I Aww. I was 10 I was 10 years old when Bush beat Gore in the election. I remember bawling like a I was a child, so I was bawling like a child. <laughs> and I was just so concerned about this and I'm Policy Bay, your 13-year-old nephew. Like, give him props. Keep it up. I have a cousin who told me she lives in Dallas and her daughter's around that age. And she's like, my daughter's so interested in this. I'm like, good. Young people. Yeah. Like, you will inherit all of this. Take a stand. Thank you, Gen Z, for showing up. Thank you, millennials, for doing your thing. Yeah. All right. Let's, uh, we've digressed a bit. Um, Wait, one more shout out because no one talks about Generation Y, right? Is that the one right uh, older than us? Sorry, gosh, I'm horrible. <laughs> Gen X. No, I'm a liar, not Y. Oh, my God. Gen X. Oh, my God. Am I still not right? I don't know. 
this is i don't think i didn't have dinner y'all i think i had some soup but <laughs> they're the ones that are raising the gen z that's what i wanted to say so i was like give them give the parents props too because some oh right the generation above us you're saying yeah 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 like the 40 year olds who are raising the 20 year olds yeah, yeah, now yeah. that's right yeah X is oh, above us. X yes, is above you. us. Thank you guys. We appreciate that. <laughs> Y'all, it's a lot happening. Okay. I got 25 little uh, monitors. <laughs> I, I got a shout out to my middle school friend, Samantha, who just joined. Yay. Thanks for tuning in. Um, anyway. Um, yeah. That's so thanks to the older generations who are teaching their children things and being like, you know, I, as a millennial, I take a gripe when people are like, oh, millennials are so entitled. They want. Yeah. free treatment, fair treatment of everyone. And I'm like, <laughs> is fair treatment a bad thing? Also, who taught us for, we should all be treated fairly? Yeah. What a radical thought, right? Yeah. My parents who are like boomers cusp, they yep. taught us you should be treated fairly. That's mm -hmm. not a crazy thought. Yeah. So Get if you have a gripe that we want to be treated fairly, that's because the generation raised us that way. So like, you're that generation don't be griping at us about what you taught us come on <laughs> you guys raised us no just kidding yeah what's up pennsylvania i just one of our someone tuned in from pennsylvania philly hang in there philly thank you yeah we, we have um, a question uh from riding in the wind how can those who were victims and refugees of communism and dictatorial socialism be educated to understand what true democratic socialism socialism entails in terms of benefits and policy. And I think he's referring to, you know, specifically Latino um, populations that are coming from these uh, countries. I'm thinking like Venezuela, uh, mm -hmm. Cuba. Gosh, yeah. Cuba. Oh my God. I was like, why am I blanking? Uh, and then comparing that to what, I guess the narrative of democratic socialism um, the, the way it's being used through various lenses and in, in, um, in our news and stuff. How do we, yeah, how do we reach them and exp explaining the difference? I think, I think it, that's, that's where it is. Like, where is the outreach and the education? I remember earlier on during the primaries uh, for the youth voters, for Latino voters, I think even just most recently, like two out of three Latino voters weren't reached by either campaign. The investment that is not being done, the commitment to these communities has, is not being done un, un, unless the people on the ground are working there. So I'm thinking of Michigan. I'm thinking of the local representatives, the House representatives there that are doing a lot of the groundwork. I was like, that should be acknowledged, too. When you're seeing these huge returns, the local ground game makes a huge difference. So regardless of those two like presidential campaigns, we need to use our... Um, our local electeds, our state representatives and state senators uh, tap into those campaigns as well because they, they're directly representing you more so closely than at the federal level, right? It's like one level removed each time you go outward in our government. Um, so I think to your question right in the wind that we, sh we should be talking more at the local level. Um, this is where you'll see more of that uh, I would call it authentic engagement because it's not every four years that someone's going to come for your vote. This is someone that lives in your neighborhood, city council, the county, um, just more direct access versus what we see done at the federal level. Yeah, I think to Amanda's point about engaging your community, that's what is inspiring us to do this podcast. I saw Amanda with Pinche Millennial and I was like, <laughs> I don't think I'm doing enough in my community. I have... Mm. 
cousins and friends and classmates and extended family who are like, nah, politics, that's not my, I'm, yeah. that's not my lane. I'm going to stay out. Yeah. Who cares? And I, as I mentioned, I sobbed, literally sobbed over the results of the right. 2000 election as a 10 year old. I've always been interested in this. And I want to tell those people like, no, politics do affect our lives. It affects how much we pay in taxes, how our schools are treated, how our teachers get paid, how our yeah. police is run, all these yeah. things. This is not, politics isn't some like pie in the sky, doesn't yeah. matter on my life. Yeah. And so when I saw, I like a couple nights binged Amanda's YouTube videos on Beach and Millennial and was like, yo, she's teaching important stuff. Like I want in because there's people in my orbit that could listen to me that want to hear what I have to say and could benefit from what Amanda has to say. And so that's why we're trying to treat, to reach our community. And so, yeah. yes, we named our podcast Beach of Millennial. <laughs> Beach Participation yeah, Podcast. Right. Beach, <laughs> we were trying to... Participation. Yeah. Um, because we're that. trying to engage y'all folks. Yeah. And I think... Um, the question about democratic socialism is a great idea for a future episode. Yeah, Maybe we'll, we'll chew that through and see what we can talk about. Yeah. Um, someone said, Amanda inspires me to want to do more and use my voice. Oh, I'm crying. I know. That's right? awesome. No, no. And you know, we, we come into this by accident. Sometimes uh, I certainly did. Um, happy to give my origin story later. Cause I know it's six fifty and, uh, I don't want to get into, I know Nick is in Eastern time. So this is getting close to like 10 o'clock at night. Um, but again, one, one, just another reminder. If you want to ask any last minute questions, please feel free to put them in the um, chat. Gosh, I don't have the language tonight. Y'all I really don't. Um, but the second thing is this is, this, this is a long game. Still, we have some time. Um, you will likely still see informal results and then you will see challenges to those informal results. And I think we all just need to hunker down, find your center, what is going to ease kind of the anxiety and pieces and what is going to keep you in this discussion and in this work past once this election has passed. That is something that I would love to hear more about and would love to keep to tap, keep tapping into because this work, the results from tonight were from four years of work. We're from eight, six, you know, years and yeah. years of work. So I don't want to disregard all of that hard work that is done at the local level, painstakingly, uh, the calls, the texts, the letters. I know someone had, had mentioned uh, the texting. Oh, my gosh. My friend put in 60 hours of calls uh, and she's a full time mom and does this on wow. her in her evenings and while she cooked for her kids while she you know, it was. And, you know, I was thinking I was trying to do all that I could. People really stepping up to work at the polls this time around so that that older adults didn't necessarily have to do that and put themselves at risk for COVID. Like, it's just, I'm really inspired. I'm really inspired. And I think as we continue to figure out what our role is, um, and it could look very differently for every single one of us, but we do have a role to play to Nick's point of all of these policies, all of these issues affect us in every day um and i think it's important to just to just acknowledge it and and be a part of it yeah that's really inspiring talk and i'm grateful to be part of pinch millennial amanda you inspired me and i hope that we are doing good work for all our friends and family and fans who are listening please spread the word share this with other people yeah. um 
we're excited. We millennials, we're coming up. Latinx people, we're coming up. Like, yeah, we're the largest growing, oh no, largest voting black um, outside of white people, I think. Yeah, Sorry. like this is, we're, this is our, we're growing into our time to shine. So yeah. here we are. Thank you for the support. And the election results aren't final, but it's looking like Joe Biden might pull off the win pretty soon once states finalize things. Mm. So, Hang in there, everybody. If you're stressed out about what's going on, turn off the TV for however long you need. Like, take a walk, cuddle your loved ones, look at some dumb memes, play a board game, read a book, like watch Real Housewives or whatever can unplug your brain. Because this is stressful. We've been in a pandemic for seven months now. Like, that's crazy. And then we have all this stress and like how our country is treating our people. Yeah. This is bad. So take some time for self-care. Um, I saw earlier an Audre Lord quote that said, um, self-care is not, uh, let me find it actually. Um, I, I, I don't want to get it right because yeah. it's Audre Lord and self-preservation was the quote. It was like, take care of yourself. Here yeah. it is. Yeah. Caring for myself is not self-indulgence. It's self-preservation. And that is an act of political warfare. Yeah, don't run yourself into the ground. Take care of yourself. Take care of those around you. Hang in there. Election's crazy. The talking heads are driving you nuts. Turn Mm -hmm. them off. Mm -hmm. Go make some caldo or watch (laughs) a scary movie or whatever it is that gets you going. Uh, I'm loving all the comments. Thank you all so much. Um, we will absolutely go live again. This was like super fun. I think we kind of, I kind of got the hang, hang of it now, trying to keep up with you all. It's slightly delayed as we can, um, as we talk and um yeah we appreciate you all tuning in manifesting ricky you know how are we ever going to make change if we aren't a part of it absolutely like we yes i can't have said any better i think that's awesome (laughs) it's our time yeah um and yes we will go live well hopefully after results i don't know nick like honestly i don't even know it's unprecedented i was like will we have results tomorrow will we have like i think we should just pause and make sure everything is counted. So that final, final, I want to say, I want to put it at a few weeks. We'll see. Um, Richard, thank you for tuning in. I appreciate your support. Richard's another El Pasoan who has left El Paso. And I got to say a shout out. So sorry for distracting. Um, <laughs> my partner's downstairs and he just screamed at the television results. And I'm curious what happened. I don't know. Oh my God, I was literally uh, but we are just about the hour mark, so yeah. I want to say we should cut it off. Thank you for everyone who's been tuning in. I don't want to suck the rest of your time from your day, wherever you may be, whatever you're doing. Like, we're part of the talking heads that might be overwhelming, even yeah. if we're giving positive vibes. Like, go do your thing. Yeah. So just thank you again. Share this with friends. Um, we will absolutely do another live. Uh, I'm, pr- I'm probably we're probably gonna have to do another live next week because things will probably change so quickly. Um, and we usually have our podcast available every Thursday, and you can find that on Apple, Spotify, anywhere that's streaming. You can find it on our website, beantomillennial.com. Um, it's on YouTube. We're everywhere, y'all. Okay, I've been making sure you can catch us anywhere. Uh, but I'm Amanda Miguel. And I'm Nick Ochoa. And we will talk to you hopefully soon. Thank you, guys. And nos vemos. Take care, guys. And ladies. Y'all, folks. Y'all, folks. Oh, here's my shirt. Hang on. Pause. Yeah, go ahead. (laughs) No, you can see it.
I found this shirt on Instagram. Um, feminist Collective. Voting is people power. Yeah. And I wore it on election day and I wore it again today. And then it says like pro-black, pro-LGBT, pro-woman. Pro, what's the last two? Pro. Oh, oh, pro-choice, pro-freedom. Love it. So if you like the shirt, hit up Feminist Collective. Feminist Collective. Got it. All right. Peace <laughs> out, y'all. Take care. Closing in time. All right, y'all. See you next time. Peace.